Flying Bull Productions presents Laugh, Literature, and Film. It's the good stuff. It's a laugh podcast. We're your hosts. I'm the L train over there. It's Mr. Two Frames. How are you, sir? Howdy. This is the teacher of the year. Mm-hmm. It's a comedy mockumentary, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, We're doing it in honor of uh, school starting back up. School is starting back up this week. By the time you're listening to this, we will have been in school for an entire week. And uh, already counting down until summer <laughs> rolls around. <laughs> we'll have the, uh, the countdown at the top of the board. I kind of want to have post-it notes going all around my room, numbered, and every day you just take one off. Yeah, something tells me <laughs> 179. Something tells me those post-it notes won't last for very long. I'm sure the parents would like to see that on back to school night. Yeah. <laughs> You'll be down to like 174 or something by back to school night. It's Not like that the, I'm counting or anything. It's like that teacher that came to us from a private school and put up a whole bunch of like little figurines and curios on their mm-hmm. desk, like on her window. By the students' desks. It's like, a, the, you might want to move those. <laughs> Why? So I just, I don't, I don't know. The, I'm sure by a second semester, you'll be moving those uh, little you know, dolls and yeah. figurines and whatnot. So. It's, school is always funny. School's always funny, man. Uh, this is about a man who won Teacher of the Year. His name is Mitch Carter. He's played in the movie by Matt Lesher. This movie also stars Keegan-Michael Key of uh, Pe- Key and Peel. Peel and Key. Or, Key yeah. and Peel yeah, fame, Key and, Peel. and their show's ending. Really? <clears throat> yeah, they've decided to go on and do other things. They may come back and do the show you know, in a couple of years. Oh, but okay. They're uh, moving on to bigger and better things like Teacher of the Year. Yeah, Teacher of the Year. Uh, Mitch Carter, this guy, wins the award for Teacher of the Year and immediately receives an attempting offer that may force him to leave his job. Um, welcome. Truman is uh, a newer high school, opened in uh, 2007. We serve uh, over a 1,000 students, most of them from right here in good old southwestern Los Angeles. Mitch Carter is head of Truman's English department and was recently named California Teacher of the Year. It's a good life. He's the best teacher I ever had. I'm sorry. But he teaches English. Okay, that's a dead language. The kids already speak it when they come to school. Ronald Dauche is the school's principal. You're going to have a week of in-house suspension. Are you going to be talking to the other teachers, too? We know everything. Assume that they know nothing. Kids are stupid. You asked when the applications are due for UCLA. Those were due yesterday. Yesterday. Yesterday? Ouch. Seems to me that the trophy for Teacher of the Year ought to go to the teacher with the most trophies. That's just math. Look at your skirt. You give something to the imagination. Why should I make them imagine it when I can just show it to them? You know, but I've had enough of this. Pull up those pants, young man. I can see your underwear. That's ridiculous. Why do you even have a belt? This is written and directed by Jason Strauss. Mm -hmm. What surprises me most is how far removed he is from the actual, or how how far I assumed him to be from the world of teaching um, based on his filmography, because he was a writer for Roseanne show and Caroline in the city. And then he was out of it. Well, apparently he was an AP English teacher. Uh 
for a number of years. And then uh, he was sitting around one day talking to his principal, who was bemoaning the fact that her interns that she had in work placement um, mm-hmm. situations weren't getting real work. They were being, you know, getting coffee and filing papers. And she said uh, she she wished that her kids that were in this program could get real life experiences. And he says, well, listen, if you let me use your, the school here, I'll take some of these students and we'll make a movie. I have an idea for a movie. And it turns out uh, three or four of those kids were like, one of them was a, an assistant pr- um, director. Mm-hmm. Another one was a second assistant cameraman, 16, 17 year old kids. And you know, a lot of them were actors and actresses in this, uh, in mm-hmm. this movie, this production. So this guy really knows what he's talking about in terms of uh, the reality of the situation. And so, for the movie to ring true like it does now it makes sense to me because i figured if he graduated high school in 1987 he wouldn't have any idea what schools are like now and uh i think he hits the uh nail on the head there's a lot of stuff but this is why i think it's a good movie for people to go watch especially those of you that aren't teachers and that's who i would recommend it to because i'd like to see whether or not they think the whole thing is satirical or whether or not they think that it's grounded in some type of reality. Because I know teachers, I know for me and for you, because we've talked about it a little bit, the satire in this is actually spot on. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's actual real-life stuff that happens. I mean, we hear lines in this movie that come off as jokes that are things that principals and teachers say. And uh, that's kind of glorious to be as a, you know, a sort of a cynical critic of, the American education system while simultaneously being a teacher in a public school uh, to see this sort of played out on the big screen. Well, in this case, the small screen is, is I guess it has some personal resonance, but I wonder what it's like for other people who aren't in the teaching profession. And those are the kind of people I'd like to hear from. Yeah, no, I agree. There is a lot of humor. I think people are going to pick up on that, but there were quiet moments in the film. I was laughing at them just because of how much, they were verbatim from my life. Right. And I feel like I've heard these exact things be said before. The little affectations, like the expressions on people's faces. <laughs> right. The way material is presented. Um, like, yeah, they, they show some just bad teaching. And they intercut that with the students' expressions. Right. <laughs> I go, I've seen this. Right. In my own classroom, yeah. I've seen this. Or, you know, oh, I know that type of teacher. Or the the assistant principal that's handing out discipline slips to students who are just kind of like staring at him open mouth and laughing and smirking. I'm giving you this uh, detention because you have your cell phone out and you're holding on to your cell phone. <laughs> it's just that sense of entitlement of the kids that that is present in the movie. But that's another thing I like about this movie is it doesn't it doesn't spend a whole lot of time dealing with the kids. <laughs> like a lot of. Uh, high school comedies seem to have that as a subplot, you Mm -hmm. know, uh, here's the relationship of these kids and what these kids are going through. And the focus is always on the student, maybe because that's the target audience. And, uh, that to me doesn't seem as interesting because a lot of times the people that are writing those movies are removed from the process. They don't really seem to be like kids are now. Mm -hmm. And their reality is very different than the reality expressed in, in, uh, in those kinds of movies. That's why I kind of avoid movies about school. In fact, I don't know if I like any movies about school. High school high? Didn't like it. Back to school with Ronnie Dangerfield. Yeah, that's about college though. Teen Talking Wolf. about high school. 
I didn't like I didn't like Team Wolf. Back to school, that might be the the one. Uh that's pretty funny. The, the triple Thornton, Thornton Mellon. <laughs> um Teachers was good, but I didn't I don't really like it. I don't like those uplifting sort of like freedom writers kinds of movies. Uh well, I mean this shows you what a grind teaching is. And I think it also shows some teachers are very good. They care about their jobs. Other people are effective at their jobs, but don't really care. And then there are people who are just horrible <laughs> yeah. all around. Uh, it does struggle with its tone, though, somewhat. Mm-hmm. Because the, the the comedians that you'd recognize, one of them, uh, I guess two of them are the Sklar brothers. People might recognize these guys. They don't really have a TV show or anything. But I've seen them on things mm-hmm. here and there. They... Uh, their take is a guidance college assistance counselor, like a double-headed guidance college assistance counselor, is a, that's a little over the top. I mean, the satire works on a different level than some of the more subtle things that happen in the rest of the movie yeah, with some of the other characters. They're operating more on the level of farce, I feel. Yeah. And everything else is, is realistic, and this is the way kids talk, and this is the way teachers act. Right. There are two or three characters that are farcical, and then there the majority of the characters are realistic. And then trying to balance in between those two things creates a problem. Um, but I guess that's what those mockumentary do. Those mockumentaries do. Um, you think of movies like uh, Best in Show, Waiting for Guffman, mm-hmm. um, Spinal Tap. They even reference Spinal Tap in this movie at one point, which is sort of a little bit of a meta moment, but also kind of underscores the way that this movie doesn't work as well as those in terms of keeping up the comedic bits. Well, I think at some point they try and become dramatic. I mean, and there are a couple of dramatic scenes. Most Mm -hmm. of them involve um, the Mitch Carter character and his wife. Right. And that's when the movie, I think, kind of falls apart. The drama just doesn't play as well. Well, that's the driving question is, will he accept this offer and that's the conflict that comes in between him and his position as a teacher. Mm-hmm. So you need something like that in order to propel the movie forward. There's another subplot involving a friend of his and accusations levied against him. Uh, and then I guess that sort of moves the, 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 the story, along, the story yeah. along. Will his friend be found guilty of this thing? Uh, I think his name is Brian in the movie. Yeah. Um, those parts I, I understand all well. those scenes, and I understand what they're trying to get at. I just don't think it, it just doesn't work. Um, and, and everything's just handled a little too quickly. It's like here, oh, we have to have a scene showing that the wife loves her child, and you know she likes being a stay-at-home mom. But they don't explain it terribly well. There are some problems I feel with the editing. They could have cut the stuff a little better uh, to explain that. Um, mo- there is a scene with, uh, the wife where she's working at home, she's on the phone and they intercut it with her taking her daughter to school and picking her back up, but it, it doesn't get the point across as much as I think they were hoping that she just really liked being there for, for her daughter and having this close knit family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I, I saw most of that. In fact, I think I saw all of the movie is satire and I didn't really, the, the dramatic parts of it didn't resonate with me at all. I didn't have any, I didn't see that there was a big dramatic arc in it. And I guess it just, it, it just occurred to me that even when the little kid, the little kid's interactions with the father, mm-hmm. with Mitch, uh, her father seemed satirical and over the top. 
where you thought they were like more poignant. I think that's and what powerful they were going and emotional. For. <laughs> I saw them as just like this is just sort of stupid and ridiculous. The humor doesn't work here, but it didn't work emotionally either. No, I think yeah, I think they were trying to get across. You know, Mitch is just this wonderful guy. I mean, there's the kid that gets in the fight at the very beginning of the film, right? And Mitch is you know tutoring him and helping him. And you have lunch today, and he's like, no, no, here, split my sandwich with me. Right? He gives him half yeah, the sandwich, yeah, yeah. and it doesn't. Yeah, I, I mean that I, I that was supposed to be that dangerous yeah. minds type moment, right? And yeah, uh, I agree, it doesn't work. Uh, it, it, it the the good parts of the movie kind of make up for those smaller parts for me because the good parts of the movie involve the job, the day to day operations in the school, the things that happen with the assistants, counselors, and the interactions between uh, teachers in the war in the teacher workroom or whatever the parent-teacher conferences, talking to the principal, the principal talking to the kids, you know, all of those little things mm-hmm. which we see on a day-to-day basis were really funny. So it worked for me, but my fiance, not so much. Didn't work for her? No, she's pretty bored with it. Well, I, I think this is also the difference for us because we know it, you know, know this life and other people because they just show the clips, right? You know, when you're talking to your principal – there's no lead into that scene. They're just in the office, and as soon as the funny little bit's given, they cut right out. There's right. no outro. It's a bit like Monty Python, right? Right. When you're done being funny, just get out of the scene. Right. Who cares if it's abrupt? And the mockumentary style helps you to do that. Our position as teachers allows us to fill in the context. Mm-hmm. And at one point, uh, Tony looked at me and said, uh, I almost called her fiance. How many? Pretty soon, there's going to be some kid named Fiance in your school, in your class role. If you haven't already had that yet, and then the the guy that marries her is going to have to introduce her as his fiance. This is my fiance, fiance, <laughs> right? Anyway, my fiance Tony said, "You're laughing," and they haven't said anything yet. What are you laughing at? I was like, I, "I'm laughing because I understand what's co- I know what's coming up," <laughs> you know. I see where this is going. At one point, the principal says something like, "I'm I'm here to lay down the hammer. One infraction, and and these kids are gone." You know that kind of cockiness, and then you know what the next scene is going to be. It's going to be juxtaposed with, and, and as a teacher, it's just like you can see this false bravado in an assistant principal and ascribe to it all the humor that it deserves. Oh, as soon as you see the sign for conference night. <laughs> <laughs> conference night is on the way. Yo, yep. It, <laughs> every like teacher sign. has a story about conference night. Oh man, my favorite is when the kid comes into the into the room with a hat on. He's supposed to wear that, you know, they're not supposed to be wearing the hat, and then you have to tell them to take the hat off when they're there with their parent, <laughs> or they're there with you know they're playing with the cell phone the whole oh. time. <laughs> like, why isn't Johnny doing well in class? Well, he kind of he can't put his cell phone down. Just like. I don't have that problem at home. <laughs> I mean, while the kids sitting next to her playing, you know, Candy Crush, <laughs> whatever. So I don't know. Yeah, all those all those things rang true. Yeah, no, I, I thought the movie was a very realistic depiction of teaching. The only thing it didn't do, and I don't think a movie has ever done this, is it doesn't show the repetition that teaching is. Well, yeah, that'd be pretty boring. I mean, that could yeah. be pretty boring, but. You know, it, it treats it like every teacher only has one class. The movie Election does that pretty well. Yeah. It's a montage. They mm-hmm. show, they set that up. But doing the same thing again and again and again. And 
that does lead itself to its own humor. Right. Especially if you can tweak your joke a little bit. And by the mm-hmm. by seventh period, you're you're hitting the punchline right on. Yeah, I, I teach with a, a special education teacher. We have some classes together right. and we've taught together for like four years. The first year she's like, Oh, you have a lot of these jokes and you know, you think of stuff in the moment, you know, you're really quick on your feet. And the second year she's like, That sounds familiar. Right. Third year she's like, Holy crap, you tell the exact same joke in the same spot. I'm like, <laughs> Yep, pretty much. There is something about that familiarity of that uh who was a, a friend of ours as a math teacher and every year around the same time in May he takes a day off for I I'm not sure it's either it's his birthday or it's his father's birthday or something like that. Mm-hmm. And he says uh well I'm just going to I'll show them this movie uh Moneyball. <laughs> right? Yeah. And he knows that you know you and I are film teachers so he comes he every year he'll come in and say uh you know do you have a lesson plan that goes with Moneyball? I said well let me check and see. Oh, here it is. And it's the exact same date <laughs> from the year before. I had to share it to him. He goes, yes, this guy is very regular. Uh, I don't really have that quality, though. Probably that's why I'm struggling with my job. I'm constantly redoing stuff. And re- and, and it's not because I'm trying to, like, make it better. <laughs> it's just I'm just doing it. It's just a process that I find myself in. It's why I dread the school here. It's a whole lot of work when it should, it should be really easy, considering the fact that I've taught these courses over and over and over. Do you sometimes pretend to read out of the book? Like with my ninth grade classes, sometimes you have to read aloud certain sections. So I'll be reading out of the book. Someone will come to the door and I'll just walk over the door. won't bring the book with me and I'll just keep <laughs> reading the text or, you know, saying the text and walk back. I've had kids do that double take. of uh, How does that work? It's like, guys, I've read this 30, 40 times. Right. Uh, I wish a movie could show it, but I think like you said, it's it would be tedious. Yeah, I think it's tedious. Well, on Rotten Tomatoes, the user... Uh, score for this movie is 58%, whereas the critic score is 100%. And I wonder what it would be among teachers. I wonder what students would think of this, too. Teachers, it I doesn't think, focus, would like it. Because it doesn't focus on the students, I think that they won't like it because they're very narcissistic. <laughs> I really do. I think some of the some of the kids might look at it, especially if they have parents that are teachers, but their view of this world is so very different. It's very egocentric in there. Their experience as students is nothing like our experience as teachers. That's one thing I've figured out after 50 years of teaching is um, whatever they're experiencing is nothing like what I'm experiencing. So um, what it is that they're experiencing, I really don't understand. But I just know it's different. All right. What was the saddest moment of the movie for you? The saddest moment? Oh, there, there yeah. was, there, there was, there a, was a moment in this film where my heart broke. Well, there were no animals. I really, I don't know. No, no idea? I have no heart, so. We've established it's my... It's when he's trying, he's driving in his car, Mitch is, and they're asking him, oh, do you think you'll take this job? He's like, well, it pays a lot more money. And they ask him, well, what do you make now? And he gives his salary of about $70,000 a year. And I went, oh. huh? <laughs> Just in Virginia, we don't make anywhere uh, near right. that. <laughs> so it wasn't, it was a, it was a sadness of your life. My heart broke. <laughs> right. Had nothing to do with what was going on on the screen. You just realized. Wait, there are places that will pay a public school teacher $70,000 a year? Well, that's another thing. He's not really in a public school. He's in a charter school. He's in a charter school, and these kids don't act like... I mean, his problems are not really like the kinds of problems that that I think we face. And when I say we, I mean (laughs) you. (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't have as many ill-behaved students as you do. Like, I, I don't have to have that conference with them in the hallway well, during have, class time. Yeah, I have freshmen. Right. And some of them are 20 years old, and they're on the verge of getting kicked out of school. <laughs> so you have to have more of a, a, you have to have a firmer hand with them. That doesn't happen in this movie. Like, all of the kids are just sort of bemused. They're just sort of milling around, and things are happening, and they're kind of you know laughing about it. They're all fairly decent-looking kids, you know. Mm-hmm. They don't have those built-in problems that are associated with not only, you know, teen movies and movies about school, but also reality. I mean, there are some pretty messed-up kids out there. That doesn't... This movie doesn't want to touch on that. It's too much to deal with. There's too much on the buffet already Mm -hmm. so they're not even trying to get into that which i guess it makes sense but it might make it less of a compelling movie for people that aren't teachers i don't know yeah i mean that's that's the problem there are so many stories there's so many uh side routes to go down in the education profession that you don't have time to cover it all what was the most realistic thing in the movie for you the most realistic yeah oh when mitch is grading the essay (laughs) and he reads it he says Henry was hungry, hungry, hungry. I assume he was hungry. Yeah. <laughs> and his wife goes, teacher of the year. Yeah. Uh, what about for you? Well, I, just to piggyback on that point, I had a kid my my first year teaching, or maybe it was when I was student teaching, who wrote, this is a pretty bad assignment, too. I gave out an assignment to design the perfect crime. <laughs> Because I think we were reading Edgar Allan Poe at the time. My uh, assisting teacher, my mentor or whatever at the time, she she did not like that assignment. And she let me know about it. But the kids liked it. And the kid that I have in particular, I can't really remember her name. But her favorite crime was, and it was a one-page essay. And it detailed how much she would have enjoyed stealing a bucket of chicken from... <laughs> From the uh, local restaurant, and she said uh, in this in this essay she wrote how she dove over the she dove over the the counter and stabbed the the man holding the chicken and grabbed the chicken and jumped back over the counter. <laughs> Did she stab him with a drumstick? I don't know. She ran off with it, and the last line was because I love chicken, 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 chicken. <laughs> And it filled out the page. And I was like, uh, whatever her name was, Sarah, uh, I don't really think this is the perfect crime. (laughs) It is a crime. But it's not necessarily a perfect line. So that's what that line reminded me of. A realistic thing to happen in the movie. Um, There's an older... (laughs) There's a very minor character. She's an older English teacher. (laughs) She looks a lot like teacher, you know, would be. And she's near the end of her career. And the kid, the, she turns to the kid and says something about how she plagiarized. The girl's like, no, I didn't. She goes, this is copied exactly off of the internet. This is verbatim from the internet. She goes, look, you even you even have the the URL here at the bottom. I'm like, wow, I've had that conversation. Oh, yeah. Had that conversation a lot. I've had that conversation at parent conference, <laughs> right. and I've had a dad swear up and down that his daughter read the book. Yeah, and he saw her write the paper. And how dare I accuse his daughter of plagiarizing? But it was for Invisible Man. 
Yeah, yeah she she had a poster. Ralph Ellison's <laughs> Invisible yeah. Man. Her poster was H.G. Wells' Invisible Man guy with medical bandages right. wrapped around his face, sunglasses, and the papers taken from like Wikipedia on Ralph Ellison's Invisible Man about an African American teenage boy who Coming feels invisible story. because no one pays attention to him because of racism. Uh, at one point early in your career, I snuck a fake essay into your. <laughs> Into your stack of essays. And I don't know if you ever caught that. Probably not. <laughs> you graded it. Then you were trying to hand it. You were like, ah, oh, this kid didn't put his name on his paper. <laughs> graded the whole thing. You got to the end. You're like, this is an extra kid. Uh, I love uh, sharing these stories. And they funny. spread. I found out a, a famous story for the two of us is has apparently spread all over the William and Mary campus. There's the a professor there that tells a story about our interactions. Where? How? On, on uh, he he tells it to his class every year. No, no, no. Um, the story about when I went into your class <laughs> and you weren't there, and I told your class that your dogs were actually dead, and you were in denial. Yeah. <laughs> then I walk around with dragging leashes behind uh, me. It's so sad. You'll ask him about his weekend. He goes, yeah, I was just walking the dogs, and he was just walking through his neighborhood with the leash trailing behind him. <laughs> Yeah, that lived on forever. Well, apparently that story's getting spread. <laughs> oh, really? I wonder why. He thinks it's hilarious. Does he think that the, the sequel to that, where I told the kid about your ferret farm, <laughs> is equally equally hilarious? I don't know. I, I think I think he knows that one, too. Uh, but that's pretty funny. I kind of like that. We, we have to figure out what's the biggest lie we can tell our students about the other one this year. <laughs> I don't know. I think you're a much better liar than I am. <laughs> So I'm not sure. Yeah, (laughs) you're welcome. What's the least realistic thing in the movie? Least realistic thing in the movie. Ooh, for me it was the um, the the homogeneity of behaviors among the students. Like they they were all pretty much the same student. I mean, Mm -hmm. demographically they were different. Some of them were wearing cuter outfits than the others, but for the most part, they were all fairly well-behaved kids. And they, I mean, they talked a lot at one point and oh, that drove the guy crazy, but at least they're not throwing knives at him or, you know. Yeah. They don't talk back. Like when the principal's writing those violation slips, <laughs> right, the kids just are just staring. Kind of laughing, kind of giggling. Yeah. They don't care. It seems to happen. Whenever we try and discipline kids. They want to just talk and talk at oh, you yeah. and shout back. They it's, they don't shut their mouth. One of one of the stories that we have that, that I like that I retell is about the kid that <laughs> they were apparently got in a fight upstairs. We have a two story high school, and as they were dragging him downstairs or taking him downstairs, he grabbed onto the railing of the second floor, <laughs> and the security guard was hanging on his legs. <laughs> <laughs> at the uh, at the bottom of the steps on the first floor, right outside of our room, or right outside of my room, we're just kind of standing there looking at it, looking to see the whole thing unfold. The kid's got no shirt on, he's yelling and screaming, "Oh, they're going anywhere!" And then there's two security guards hanging off him. That that kind of thing didn't happen in this movie. No, no. I when I first started teaching, I think it was like in the first week there was a big fight, and like three security guards had to drag a girl by the arms and legs down the hallway. <laughs> yeah. It's and she's just screaming. I mean, it's it's like a full-on psychotic rage. She's upset. And you walked over me and you went, hmm, but you never saw that before. And I went, she wasn't wearing shoes. 
Oh, this is not the same one where the girl was upset and screaming because she had left her her breakfast <laughs> in the other room, oh, and you yeah. said, "I'll go get your cornflakes, frosted flakes." <laughs> oh, frosted flakes. I'm sorry, I should have known. I'll get you. I'll get the frosted flakes. My brother-in-law Calm was at down. school that day randomly, and he saw. <laughs> he still tells that story too. That's good stuff. Oh, that was hilarious. I think we could make a movie. I think we could cobble together tales. No one would believe it. I mean, some of these stories are just so outrageous. Right. Like that girl with the frosted flakes, I had to go down the principal's <laughs> office and she was flipping the table. Did did she have milk with the frosted flakes? Did you have to get her some? There was no milk. There's, there was the frosted flakes. In the uh, adult that was in there, so was, Mr. Bull, we're a little busy right now. And I went, this will help. Handed <laughs> the frosted flakes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have other stories I can't really tell on the ta- on the on the uh, podcast. I don't really. Well, want yeah, to there are certain things I'd love to say about this film, <sighs> Teacher of the Year, but I can't. Right, valor or or what is it? Discreetness is the better part of valor or discretion. Sorry. In a couple of years, when our podcast takes off and we're no longer having to work as teachers, <laughs> we're, we're full time potters. You mean we may want to revisit this show? <laughs> some of the types. <laughs> Uh, some of the stereotypes yeah. that are going on. Yeah. Yeah, well, this is a good movie. I think people Do should watch Do we need spoilers? <sighs> we can have a little spoiler section. For the most part, though, spoiling this movie would be giving away the funny lines. So I do want to talk about the last scene. Yeah, we should probably talk about the thing that drives it forward, because there are a bunch of questions. The conflicts they set up in the story involve um, you know, the teacher making the decision, and then teacher versus teacher stuff and all that stuff that's going on is kind of interesting. So yeah, we should probably have a little bit of a spoiler section. The man that hath no music in himself, nor is not moved with concord of sweet sounds, is fit for treasons, stratagems, and spoils. I mean, I I like what they were trying to do, showing that the system chews up teachers and spits them out, and teachers aren't appreciated, at least, you know, visibly. I mean, they are making a difference in some of these student lives, but, you know, it doesn't really help the teacher in the moment. It doesn't help them get through their life, you know, take care of their family. I like that. I didn't like that they replayed that scene of him being interviewed. Oh, you're talking about the cinematography. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't understand that. It, it, that took me out. I mean, because they're trying to make a, a point there by having him say, yeah, I'm probably not going to tell my students. And then they show all these students being interviewed about the Mitch character, you know, what they think of him as a teacher. And they're all like, oh, he's fantastic. But. I was so confused by the cinematography and the editing there that right, but it the, and took the, me out of that. The whole staging and pacing of that was off because it came before and after a key scene where it seems like his wife is telling him not to leave the profession. Mm-hmm. And then he decides to leave the profession at the end. I was like, did he tell her he wasn't going to go to take this lucrative job in D.C. that pays twice as much as what he's making now? Or is he going to go I, I i didn't i never came to terms with that and then i i was wondering if maybe he changed his mind in the principal's office mm-hmm. while he was encountering you know trying to talk to that principal well and then the wife doing that after they were friends with the math teacher and his wife right and the math teacher even after he gets his job back he's like screw it i don't want it right and he's going off so it, the, the mitch's wife has to also know that this is a horrible place to work at and her husband has the chance to get out and but it, make a lot more money. I don't see her making that rationalization at the end to but it's, no stick with it. 
it's it's not a horrible place to work. That's the thing. I mean, if you're a teacher making seventy thousand dollars a year working in a school like that, that's not a horrible thing. That's actually a pretty good thing. That's a pretty good gig. I mean, granted, some of the print. I mean, some of the the way the principal behaves, and some of the parents, and some of the parents. But <laughs> we're doing it for a lot less. Yeah, for yeah. a lot less, and we and even uh, Tony for the little bit of the movie she did watch, she said this isn't as bad as your school. I said, no, it's not. It's it's not. <laughs> I mean, the kids, sure, the kids are rude, but they're rude in a funny way. They're not rude in a, a sort of a violent way. The secondary uh, conflict in the movie was whether or not the guy, is it Steve? I think his friend's sure. name is Steve. No, Steve Quig is the, <laughs> that's actually pretty funny, the, the uh, robotics teacher. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> the Indigo Boys. English is a dead language, he says. <laughs> this robot's <laughs> horrible. This, what were you doing? Oh, this one's pretty good. Yeah, they could, they could have done that scene a little bit more. I would have enjoyed that. You're I talking about Chris Connor, who was playing Brian Campbell? Yes. The AP uh, math teacher? The calculus oh, yeah, yeah, teacher? Yeah, yeah. The, 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 kid that's, the guy that's accused of uh, sexual indiscretion with a, te- with a student. Now... As I was watching, I, I thought there was some ambiguity as to whether or not he was guilty, and that they were going to deal with that in a different way. You seemed to think all along that he was being falsely accused. That's what I thought. But again... There's not enough in the movie to justify either opinion. The, the drama scenes just don't work. Cause, and then I saw it just as humor, so I, I thought, what would have been the funniest thing to do <laughs> in this scene? So, And I guess the funniest thing would have been the irony of him actually being guilty. Although none of that, that is funny. That would be funny. I, maybe. I don't know. The way it was handled wasn't very funny. I don't know. I, none of that really worked for me. Especially given the fact that if you're, I mean, unless you're really stupid, if you're a teacher in that situation, you would have lawyered up. You wouldn't have just planned on having, you know, the department chair from English simply because he's your union rep come in there with you. You would have gone to that meeting lawyered up and, and that kid, it wouldn't have, it, pro- it could have gotten to that point. I can see it easily getting to that mm-hmm. point, but it would have been settled in a different way. The other thing that I would have liked to see is the girl still presses charges. She just changes her story so it makes sense. So the inconsistencies that have been pointed out to her are no longer there. Well, yeah, she doesn't. That's probably more realistic. She, like, I don't think she would have admitted it. You'd be even, oh, he shouldn't have failed yeah. me. That's what, yeah. I, I lied. He shouldn't have failed me. She but then they still go and press charges. The guy's still fired. Like right. that, that would have had more resonance. That would have been more, <laughs> that would have actually yeah. been what happened. No, like the principal would have pressured her not, not to change her story and admit that she lied. I don't know. I, I've had this happen to a friend of mine in, in teaching where he uh, was falsely accused by a kid. Uh, and he was suspended for a while and he came back and now I think he's a principal or he might be a superintendent down in Georgia somewhere, but it was I mean, pretty bad for him. It was pretty bad for him and his family. He was a young teacher just starting out and, the, and we're just that far away from some kid saying something. That's why you can never be alone with a kid. Never be alone with a kid. That was one of maybe two pieces of advice you gave me when I first started out teaching. Never be alone in the room. Yep. Always keep that door open. Yep. And it doesn't matter how many kids are in there. You gotta have that door open. Yeah, just keep the door open. You know, keep it within eye shot of the hallway. Like, yep. Don't go and sit at a desk in the back of the room with the kid <laughs> oh, to help them with their work or something. Uh, even the ones you trust, you can't ever really trust anybody. So, mm-hmm. um, but I, I, I thought that that was going to play out differently. So, yeah, I think they could have done more with that. But I would have sued that the principal. 
And then, I don't know. Maybe not. Do you, can you understand the principle? Understand? Yeah, I mean, not his point of, like, I don't think you agree with his perspective, but you can understand how he can be that that kind of person. Yes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no. I, I mean, he's trying to advance his career, and he's running this charter school that he founded, and if it does well, he does well. I think I read that he filmed all of his stuff in one day. Oh. I think so. I think that they only had him for one day, and he had to, like, rework his shooting schedule on Key and Peel. But I might have misread that. I could see him doing all that stuff. This guy... uh, I I don't think this took very long to film. I would say maybe two, three weeks tops. Yeah, I don't know what the shooting schedule was like. But the the guy, Jason Strauss, was... uh, Isn't that his name? Jason Strauss? Yeah, he was a uh, stand-up comedian. He met these guys. He said that he was on... He he was the equivalent of playing bench on the Lakers. So he went behind guys like the Sklar brothers and... Mm -hmm. Perhaps uh, uh, this Queeg guy, the guy that plays uh, Steve Queeg, is Jamie Keller mm-hmm. or Kaler. And then the assistant principal, Collins, played by Larry Joe Campbell. I think that they're all uh, stand-up comedians or they work in that, in that world. So maybe he was a stand-up comedian at the same time he was an AP English teacher. <laughs> I don't know. I, don't know, I liked it. Yeah, it's good stuff. It's not a bad movie. Good pick, Mr. Uh, Two Frames. I like it. Uh, next week we're doing our fall preview. Fall, yeah, fall, pre- winter. fall, winter preview. Uh, we're going up to uh, right before, I guess, December, the end of December. Anything that's supposed to come out in theaters to be up for awards consideration for the Oscars. Mm-hmm. So sometimes these movies that we're going to talk about might be in limited release, and we might not be able to see them until January. But in terms of their release schedule, it's the rest of 2015. What are the movies that we're most interested in seeing? I'm looking forward to that, I that show. It's a lot of... A lot of good movies on the horizon, man. good picks. Yeah. So we'll hear you and see you guys, or you'll hear us on the next We Laugh next week. And uh, then, what's that, Laugh 79 or 80 That'll or something? That'll be Laugh 80. This is Really? Today. And then we're only 20 away. So we'll be hitting... Uh, the hunch. Around 100, what, in the middle of November? Uh, yeah, right around Thanksgiving. Huh, okay. So maybe we'll have a special show, something going on for our 100th episode. As Buck Laughlin said in Best in Show, as the hound judge examines a dog, now that looks like a fast dog. Is that faster than a greyhound? If you put him in a race, who would come in first? You know, if you had a little jockey on him going like this? Now tell me, which one of these dogs would you want to have as a wide receiver on your football team? Uh, so for Mr. Two Frames over there. It's been a pleasure. I'm the L-Trade. Pox at Botab, everybody. There be dragons. What's the smallest denomination of time you could recognize a teacher for? Teacher of the like, period. Like, teacher of the year is teacher, awesome, right? Teacher of the period. You're teacher of the year. All right. If you had teacher of the month at your school, yeah. that's still fine. Teacher of the week, maybe. Teacher of the day? <laughs> oh, well. I think you can get down to teacher of the period. Teacher of the period. And then you have announcements. <laughs> Our fourth period representative is... Like, if it was... There's teacher appreciation week, Right. Right, yeah. We've got a hundred teachers, five days, so you'd have to do twenty teachers a day. Right, and our days only like yeah, you have like here's teacher the twenty two minutes. <laughs> He's teacher from seven twenty until seven forty two.